Hello, and welcome back to Your Takes, Our Excrement, or as we're calling it around here, Excrement lately, uh, which we think is spicy and fun mm-hmm. because uh, we, you know what, we like to abbreviate things. We think that long titles are kind of silly, which is why having a long titled podcast is just real hard for us. Anyway, your take is excrement uh, is the podcast that you are now listening to. And isn't that great for you? Uh, I am May, as always, and I'm joined by uh, Neo or Angstrom. Uh, and I will have uh, or you can find me on Twitter. You can? You can. Oh. You can find the cat boy on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I have a feeling you found this podcast from me from Twitter. So if that is the situation then I apologize for marketing to the people who are already marketed to. But if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm Nick Spheres Online, and I do a lot of uh, horror-related media stuff in about, I don't know, let's call it, let's call it like four or five years ago now, I had an, I had a viral video. Did you know this? Mm. It was about, drum roll, <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. Which is the topic of today's podcast. Isn't yes. that really fascinating? Yes. Uh, so actually, after we watched this movie, I was looking for stuff about it. And I saw I, I, I saw your video on YouTube, and I chose not to watch it. Ah, uh, a wise choice yes. was made. Yeah, I do probably have the most popular takes on the movie. You do. Um, which is weird to have. Um but alas, here we are, many years later, revisiting it in the public eye, uh, and I am doing it with my friend Neo here. Now, if you don't know anything about our podcast, if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, and you missed last episode on Cannibal Holocaust, which was both sexy and f- delicious and fun, um, you've got to check it out, dude. You've got to check it out. It's the fucking bee's knees. But but anyway, this, this one... Um, we're showing our friend Neo here cinema. That's right, cinema for the first time, for real. See, Neo has uh, lived in Africa the majority of his life. Therefore, uh, his, his movie options were limited to like whatever bullshit he could get on a hard drive, you know, or whatever bullshit we 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 brought we we bought in the states. Took it out of the DVD case because they were too big. Put them in plastic or put them in paper sleeves. And hauled them over to Africa. Right. So y'all didn't see a lot of fucking movies. No. However, we mostly watched Chronicles of Narnia, uh, The Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, kind of like every day for a while. Yeah, of course, as you do. Um, but I, on the other hand, disassociated with movies during the tumultuous early years of my life. So I've seen fucking everything. So we thought, eh. Huh? huh? Eh? Yeah. We looked at each other and we were like, "Eh, podcast? Think about it. It's an idea." And so, um, this podcast could alternatively be titled "May Force Feeds Neo Classic Cinema," but uh, and by classic cinema, I mean like exploitation trash. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the bit we're gonna be watching, like classic horror, but also like exploitation trash. Also, at some point, Jodorowsky, which I'm excited for. Right, which, you know, and a lot of these things are going to border on art, film, or exploitation, or trash, or porn. And it's hard to tell sometimes, and that's just sort of the way that things are. Listen, all cinema is porn. 
for someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all cinnamon, <laughs> someone's secret desire. In someone's deep, dark little dungeon. Hmm. Water is delicious, and it is the sponsor for today's video. Uh, H2O, get on, go on, go on out there and get some. But not Nestle water, <clears throat> unless they pay me. <laughs> so, uh, today, we are going to be talking about Phantom of the Paradise, uh, which is a very unpopular film turned kind of cult classic recently, fairly recent cult classic, uh, although it has been a long cult classic in the city of Winnipeg, shout out to Winnipeg, which I guarantee you, Neo, right now there is somebody listening from Winnipeg. Like they love this movie. They seek out the stuff where people talk about it and they're like, hey, we're in Winnipeg and we well, love this movie. Listen, uh, Phantom Con or whatever they call the kid. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the hit convention. us up. We'll come to hit your fucking. <laughs> Winnipeg's in Canada. Yeah, yeah. We'll come to Canada. I'll come to Canada. I like Canada. I like Canada. I lived in Canada for a year. That's fucking crazy, man. It kind of sucked, but did they ah. like Phantom of the Paradise there? Oh, uh, well, I lived in Quebec, so they're so very different vibe. Yeah. I see. Well, so Phantom of the Paradise has like the weirdest legacy ever in that it's kind of influential, but for really dumb and weird reasons. And also the way that it ended up even happening is also a bunch of dominoes falling. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a rabbit hole. So before uh, we really dive into the movie, yes, like watching the movie, I could notice like a lot of things that I've already seen that were really directly inspired by it. Yeah iconography um mo like most distinctively berserk and then and then that's like the you know that that inspires everything else <laughs> well right yeah so well and that's like the big the big hook i guess is the is the thing but but i guess we're gonna get to that let's let's start from the beginning because mm -hmm. last time i think we talked for like 15 minutes about all kinds of pseudo political shit for the first like 15 minutes of the podcast and everyone commented and they were like, May, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you need to get your shit straight. We only have an hour with you, and we need to make it count. So we're going to make it count. We're going to start with the plot early on this okay. time. So what is uh, the plot of the film so Phantom of the Paradise? The yeah. plot is, and someday I'm going to either remember characters' names, or I'm just going <laughs> to come in with a sheet. Okay. Uh, William is that the William the... Finley is the actor. Oh. He is. Are are, are you What's referring to? Uh, oh oh, Winslow Leach. Winslow. Winslow yes. and William are basically the same name. Right. So Winslow uh, performs a in a whole concerta or part of a concerta he's written. Yes. To Conchata. Yes. Conchata. I'm sorry. Um. To Swan, who is a criminal music producer he's an evil backhanded evil bastard evil bastard um, yes so this uh evil bastard decides that he wants uh winslow's music uh steals it from him and then uh casts him aside imprisons him and pretty well in, in, I, I was gonna cover a bit what happened in the in the weird in weird, the middling and the weird Playboy Intro. Weinstein man, right? Mansion. Oh yeah, of course. But anyway, so we get sk skipping that. Uh, he, uh, Swan, uh, gets 
black cops to sprinkle crack on the white man, <laughs> which I thought was a very interesting detail. Um, they then he goes to jail, gets his teeth ripped out, um, has has like a nerd rage moment, breaks out of jail, and through a series of comical events, gets his face burned in a vinyl press. Um, he then uh, goes full on Phantom of the Opera and haunts swan's music hall until swan approaches him with the deal and the deal is is he he makes music specifically his concerta for swan and swan will play it for him they then sign this deal in blood i should backtrack the the concerta is about faustian bargains and faust (laughs) so so the man who's writing music about faust signs a deal with somebody in exchange for fame and popularity in blood Uh, he does do that doesn't he yes anyway it's fine so he then the uh, the devil or swan because uh then proceeds to dick over uh winslow yes Yes. winslow correct just about every opportunity and the rest of the movie is really just every character in the movie dicking each other over because even and the, getting even involved the, in some obscure faustian bargain yes even the protagonist is kind of a massive piece of shit mm-hmm. so the whole so so from like halfway through the movie onward it's just everybody being the biggest piece of shit to each other <laughs> the entire film and it ends with them all killing each other <laughs> neo thought that this movie was unkind i like this movie but they're all <laughs> Well, like, there's no hero. Like, Winslow's a bastard. The well, so th- th- there's this other part of it where um, there's this girl that he really wants to sing it, and Swan doesn't want her to sing it for the sole reason be is the sole reason Swan doesn't want this girl. What's her name again? Phoenix. Phoenix to sing it is because Swan's a massive dick. He just hates her. He well, he just hates women, <laughs> he but just specifically hates women. her. So, yes, but. She really wants to move up in the world, so she's siding with Swan against Winslow so that she can get something. While Winslow is trying to dick over Swan because he wants Phoenix to play it. So they're all like it's, it's like a they're triangle. All, it's, it's a dick over triangle. It's a dick over triangle where they're all <laughs> they're all just like dicking each but other. They're all over. trying to fuck each other and we get yeah. to watch. It's an orgy of of, of beauty music beauty yeah and the whole thing's also like a musical so there's <laughs> right but it's a diegetic musical which yeah. is fucking weird it's a musical that well hot well, take that's like a whole thing yeah it's the best kind of musical right it's a musical where the movie has music in it Hugh Jackman isn't a massive pretentious cock to me the entire time that's true that's very true that doesn't happen in the movie but uh so so important things to mention right off the bat I think he did a, a fantastic job describing the movie. I, I think everybody should know at this point what it's about. Um, but the important thing to note is where this came from. So this is directed by Brian De Palma. And if you know anything about Brian De Palma, you know that he, he's a classic director. He's one of the like film brats. Like He made all the shit in the fucking 70s that everyone loves. Like uh, Sisters. That's one of my personal favorites uh he he made the untouchables dressed to kill oh my god brian de palma he's made so many things all movies. scarface scarface All movies. is him i have never seen you haven't seen scarface no. 
well, wow. It's almost I've, like we made a fucking podcast about this problem. I've seen the one good part of Scarface where he's like, you want a piece of me? Come get the piece of me. And you know, right. gets gunned down like an animal. <laughs> yes. Um, is that not a, is, no, is that, that not you're a good correct. Correct. Um, so Brian De Palma is a man that, oh, he also directed Carrie. Okay. This is the important part. So, so here's some weird connections. Neo, mm-hmm. isn't this fun? So Brian De Palma, uh, made a movie with, oh my God, what's her name from Carrie? What is her name? Oh no. I can Sissy Spacek is her name. Mm-hmm. So Sissy Spacek, uh, knew David Lynch and they worked on Eraserhead together. Mm-hmm. So these, this whole thing was kind of going on in tandem with each other mm-hmm. in a weird way around the same time. So Eraserhead was debuting kind of as a midnight movie, which is a new movement around the time that this sort of was coming out. And the first midnight movie was El Topo. They okay. played it in American theaters. It didn't do very well, but at midnight people would drop acid and go see El Topo at midnight, and they would have a rip-roaring, fantastic fucking time. So because of this, they were like, shit, we should start showing all kinds of stuff at midnight. So they started showing Eraserhead. They started showing Pink Flamingos, which is a John Waters movie we'll watch later for mm-hmm. the podcast. You'll love it. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of shit like that. So uh, in the midst of that, there kind of is this lightning striking with the cult and indie side of uh, filmmaking because it isn't really horror. Eraserhead is the same way. Mm-hmm. El Topo is the same way. There aren't they aren't really horror, but they are like art movies that are that that are psychologically <laughs> intense. Mm-hmm. And so, Brian De Palma accidentally ends up involved in this, but but not enough. It's 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 weird. So. Phantom of the Paradise is his attempt at doing something about that. Uh, a description that he once put into it is like he was in an elevator and he heard the Beatles, but it was a Muzak version of the <laughs> Beatles. So he was just like, wow, the world has died. And it was just like removed from its artistic intent. So mm-hmm. he was like Phantom of the Paradise just like popped in his head. So mm. he made this movie prim- primarily in Dallas, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um in, at the Majestic Theater, which is a place that I've been many times, and it's a lovely theater, uh, and oh boy, does it bring back all the phantom memories. If you see it, you'll be like, holy shit, no fucking way, we literally are at the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so Phantom of the Paradise is coming out around the same time as another prominent midnight movie musical uh, that completely outshines it and destroys its reputation and i'm gonna i'm gonna guess this oh okay Rocky Horror picture show yes yes correct rocky horror picture show came out uh nearly the same year i think it like was pretty close to each other and one drastically outperformed the other Mm -hmm. however these did double bill together on midnight screenings for a little while uh, which is probably why we still have such a memory of this movie today, mm-hmm. because it kind of, even though it was, in my opinion, the better of the two movies, and I think it's the movie that probably has more to say of the two movies, mm-hmm. um, Rocky just spoke to people in that stupid way that mm-hmm. that they loved, in the way that like Phantom didn't. But the funny thing is, Rocky 
has a scene in Denton, which is where we are. Yeah. And Phantom of the Paradise has a scene in Dallas, which is not far from no. here. That's fucking weird, right? Yeah. Well, just quick, quick, quick take from Neo. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Phantom of the Paradise more than the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, so welcome to the take world because this is your takes are excrement. I agree. I agree with you. Um, not because it's a more hetero movie. Even I mean. Listen, there's there's all, no way around it. It's a little more hetero. We're all gay here. Sure. It's a gay podcast for gays. And I think that like these two movies kind of coming out at the same time spoke to a dichotomy almost. Mm-hmm. They they almost are movies that are weirdly married. Mm-hmm. Um in in my mind at least and in a lot of people's mind. And the funny thing is Rocky Horror Picture Show is still shown in midnight screenings today, which makes it the longest-running feature film in history. And uh, Phantom of the Paradise is not. Unless you're in Winnipeg, presumably. Unless you're in Winnipeg. And so that's the fucking weird thing about it, is there were some cities where they did midnight showings of Rocky, and they showed Phantom of the Paradise, and that picked up attention there. Mm -hmm. So this movie that was like a, a bomb, not even really a cult hit, ended up catching like attention later on when it hit home video and then like Blu-ray. And now it's been restored in this beautiful Blu-ray and this beautiful digital copy. And there's like so many amazing versions of it now. And now on Twitter, (laughs) people draw the characters from it all the time and meme the shit out of it. And Paul Williams follows me on Twitter and I've talked to him and that's really cool. And Edgar Wright is like a huge fan of the movie and he like gets the people from the movie together. And Oh my God, Jessica Harper's in it. She's from Suspiria. Mm -hmm. That's really fucking cool. So like all of these cultural lines are kind of getting drawn. And this movie happens to be dead ass right center Mm -hmm. of all of these cultural things that are exploding around it. And it didn't really see its, its like value until much later, which is ironic because it's directed by Brian De Palma, who everybody fucking loves. I mean, other than Dress to Kill and also, don't worry about it. I mean, <laughs> he's kind of a cunt, but don't worry right. about it. But he, he, he's a white man in Hollywood. Yeah, 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 you get the point. But but my point is, like, everybody went and saw his movies. Like, he's a popular filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So, popular filmmaker, pretty good cast. Like, Paul Williams was, like, known for music stuff. I mean, like, who doesn't want to see this movie? And then you see the iconography of it. And that's kind of where... <laughs> where we can get into it but but like Mm -hmm. the the phantom costume here is iconic but iconic in a weird way because it never actually touched culture Mm -hmm. it only touched a few weirdos and those few weirdos just just like dove into culture Mm -hmm. so there's like a couple of ties there's like daft punk Mm -hmm. clearly there's there's um, literally a scene that that you can just watch it and be like wow i can this is the birth of daft punk like this is literally daft punk right here yeah and like brian de palma inadvertently invented daft punk without inventing it and just kind of like it just launched that shit there's also a lot of like darth vader vibes there is you're right Um, and 
there's also Guillermo del Toro is notoriously a big fan of this movie. And you Mm -hmm. can kind of see that if you think about like, I don't, you haven't seen the shape of water, but the shape of water is very heavily influenced by Phantom of the Paradise. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the things that ties them together. And it's, it's like a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, Griffin from Berserk. That's the big one is just the, the main character of the movie. Griffith from, from Berserk. And also his character in Berserk. So, what is Berserk, Neo? Explain Berserk to Berserk the is a manga made by... I can't remember the dude's name. I think it's Kentaro Miura. That sounds don't right. don't quote me. Um, that is about someone making a Faustian bargain and dicking over their friends. Oh, shit. Nutshell. Isn't that weird how oh, that's shit. connected to a weird fucking movie from the 70s that's <laughs> oddly similarly about Faustian bargains? Right. Yeah. So, like... The iconography has clearly influenced everything, mm. even though nobody saw this. So this like launched a thousand cultural ships completely unseen where Rocky Horror gets so much attention. But this like didn't see much attention whatsoever until recently. You didn't fucking know about it until I showed it to you. You had you had never seen a goddamn thing about it no. until I showed it to you. And then. Now we're here. To be fair, I, the same goes with with uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, though. Well, that's fair, but that's because you're a sweet little Christian boy, and <laughs> so Rocky Horror Picture Show just never made it over there for some odd I reason. I don't know why that wouldn't have been shown to you at a young age. Who's the? I I am kicking myself. Tim around. Curry. Yeah. Everyone, but everyone, like I've seen a million Tim Curry movies. Oh yeah, not the of OG one. Yeah, the not the OG classic. Um, so <laughs> I'm kind of surprised he had a career after that. Like to be, to be entirely honest with you. Really? Like Rocky? Yeah. Well, he's fucking amazing in the movie. But he's though. amazing. But I can, I can just see Hollywood in the seventies being like, damn this. Fuck damn this. this. I don't no. want to touch this fag. But, but I mean, the movie was enormously successful. He was amazing in it. Like there's a million reasons why that was really successful and why he ended up like really successful from it. But on the adverse in the Phantom of the Paradise world, Jessica Harper never really exploded. Mm-hmm. Like, like she she's a street a scream queen in my heart, but she really wasn't in an awful lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she killed in Suspiria. She was really, really she good. She kills in Suspiria. We're going to do an episode on Suspiria later on. We'll get there. But today, no. Uh, the the other thing is, uh, is William Finley, the lead, Wins- Winslow Leach. What the... F- like where he he's great in this and he he just like disappears from culture and it's weird how the movie even kind of objectifies him mm-hmm. and just like turns him into just like a mechanical thing so mm-hmm. he's barely even an acting in certain aspects of it but yet he performs the character in such a way that it's like if you've seen Doug Jones perform like he's uh he does a lot of monster movies and it's very Who's similar that, uh, to that who's that guy who plays Gollum? it's anthony oh uh um secure circus circus yeah it's yeah kinda, it's kind of like him where he's like i feel like he's in everything that that where they need so an actor to not who be can embody something yeah. inhuman right and so like this is kind of one of the og he's embodying something inhuman which is very traditional to the the influences which the movie is oddly simultaneously influenced by a lot of culture and also influencing a lot of culture because it's a musical about music 
and about different genres of right, music. Right, and about about how <laughs> how certain music kills other music, and right, and and how how music evolves and how it's all like orchestrated by shitty pedophiles at the top. Right, who are all like not actually at the top. Like there is always somebody higher there's, than there's, them. There's always bigger fish, but they're all complete rap bastards who who are who have equal evils to Satan. Right. And the whole bit is always like maintaining youth, like maintaining some kind of like ever present mm-hmm. existence and like trying to defeat their futility. So like everyone's kind of trying to defeat their futility. It's 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 a very complicated thing. But so I guess let's talk about like the themes of the movie, sort of things that you observed because as a first time viewer i'm curious like what you picked up on thematically well so um thematically the the part i really really like about the movie is it's the the faustian bargain um and i think that like just the 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 trope of faustian bargains are incredibly interesting um and so and it's so the whole like vibe of in the movie the main character makes a faustian bargain with swan and there's a scene in the movie where he the main character decides to kill himself so he takes a knife and he stabs himself and (laughs) swan walks over pulls the knife out says you made a contract and you can't get out of it you son of a bitch (laughs) and so the main the, the main character takes the knife and then tries to stab swan to no effect and swan says what you idiot you don't think i'm not under contract like i'm under contract yeah. too so so you know the whole vibe of of it's like contracts all the way down exactly um, is, it's just a great great bit right and so it's funny because like some of the ideas that that we experience here are ideas that are sort of vague and maybe even dated like the idea of a contract being like such an essential thing in like a music lens is not mm-hmm. so much of a problem anymore because like musicians we view them mostly as independent like bedroom creators like we mm-hmm. don't really see musicians like like as these huge celebrities quite as much as we used to but we do still see like this kind of thing in our everyday life mm-hmm. where we are making shitty Faustian bargains with businesses all the time. So yeah, it's called, it's called the job. <clears throat> right. And it ends up being like all about not necessarily uh, music, but labor mm-hmm. and also um, like the Faustian bargains that we make in our day to day life with like how, how we secure living and, just shit like that and how it's not necessarily one little slip but one you piss off one wrong person and you end up in a prison they remove your teeth Mm -hmm. your fucking life is over right and if you try to break away they'll be like oh no a criminal who's escaping and Mm -hmm. then they'll fucking chase you down and ruin your life like so it's and it's it's very funny i think also that swan defeats winslow early on in the movie with fucking drugs and cops you know what i mean it's like the perfect thing that culturally we view as like how to get rid of somebody Mm -hmm. and so like it plays very strongly with like the way that almost capitalism puppeteers us Mm -hmm. more so than any individual so even when you get to like the the deepest level of bastard, 
even that person is just puppeteered by capitalism invented by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So at this point, we're all under contract against something. And, you know, even if we want to die, we really can't. Right. We fucking can't. Like, that's the fucked up thing about it. Is it's like that, that that old labor song where, you know, he's like, you know, another day, another dollar in debt. Right. St. Peter, don't call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and it's it's very much about literally owing one's soul. And so it, it goes beyond the physical. It's like um, how we all kind of feel these days. And I think the reason that the movie continues to have impact or at least have more impact now than it had back then is not that it was before its time or that it was like, seeing things uh clearly through a lens that like we can't we couldn't see now but i think that it it grows in in truth as Mm -hmm. things go on because like the movie was very much commenting on the late capitalism of the music industry Mm -hmm. because the music industry was very much when this was made on its very last legs like Mm -hmm. right before it was about to just burst into complete nonsense and so like it ends up being a a story about late capitalism in a way that we can all kind of unify around and understand Mm -hmm. and nowadays i think it speaks more to the millennial and gen z crowd than it ever did Mm -hmm. to prior crowds well because a huge part of this movie is beyond just just the one person of swan it's it is a lot about somebody who who is who is young idealistic they have they have this creative thing that they've made and are proud of and they 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 go out into the world to display what who they are and what they've done with their lives and they immediately just get absolutely fucking bodied by the the weight of the establishment right and it's in like yeah, it's just which adds, is where we're all at yeah, now. Millennials right? and Gen Zs, it's it's you you go out into the like the job force or whatever you're trying to do, and there's just this big grinding machine bearing you down. Right. Well, and if you're a woman, then it's it's almost always sexual in nature. It's like the exploitation almost comes sexually, and then if you're a man, it's like you're shoved aside and ignored and they just take your shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I don't know. Everybody gets it really, really bad in this system. And, mm-hmm. um, and women can never get ahead. And I think the movie is weirdly feminist in that mm-hmm. it, it describes exactly how women fail to like achieve equality in Mm -hmm. in any industry like how the industry itself will prevent women's equality like never give them an actual chance well and so there's a part of this movie that we haven't touched on and that's um what swan does is he'll he'll have auditions at his mansion and then the auditions he has are just they put all the pretty women in his bed and he sleeps with them and then that's the audition right well and and winslow sneaks into this Mm-hmm. And then when uh, when Paul Williams's character Swan comes out of the wall of the mirror wall mm-hmm. uh, and sees all of the women he's about to fuck, and Winslow Leach, he uh, points at him and goes, "Get this fag out of here!" <laughs> um, in the most perfect introduction to a character ever. Right. Um, 
Yeah, and so then in the entire the entire movie then is is like um, Winslow wanting uh, specifically Phoenix in the in the in to to play his music, and Swan only seeing her as 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 something to fuck. Right. You um, know, he he ultimately just wants her voice. <clears throat> I don't. Or he, it's objectifying her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want her for her being. He wants her for her. Well, but he doesn't voice. even want her for her voice because he refuses to have her be the 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 main performer. Right. He only he only has her as the backup because that's the deal he made with Winslow. With Winslow. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then like there there's this ironic element of like the people really really love Phoenix after she performs. Mm-hmm. And she performs like one of his songs and it goes really well. So it's like a moment where all of these things kind of congeal sort of in the creative process. Like if you've ever made like a movie, for instance, you write a script, right? And then like five people get their brains in there and they fuck your script. (laughs) And then you have a different script and then you're like, well, fuck. Okay. I mean, but you tolerate it. You move on to the next stage, you cast it. And then you end up, you go, oh, no, I want this person. This person is exactly what I envisioned. But then you're pressured into picking somebody else, and that person gets shoved aside. But then through a bunch of weird, fucked-up elements, you know, you get what you want. This person is in in the lead role, and they are saying your dialogue, and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And you're like, holy shit. Uh, I got like I got exactly what I wanted, mm-hmm. and it actually hit with people in the in the exact way that I imagined it, and like that's a very validating but rare experience in the industry because the industry mm-hmm. is preventing you from ever experiencing that. Well, so there's also an element in it where the moment Phoenix sings and is successful. Swan immediately 180s on his opinion of her and is immediately supportive of her her and her career. Insofar as he can make a show out of her death later on (laughs) and he can make a little bit of money off of it. Right. But, but it it goes from, it goes from he's discarding her as, as, as merely only an object of sexual desire to then him seeing her as, 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 as important as he sees everybody else who works for him and that, but that is ultimately just some someone to use, abuse, and then discard. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's also an element of that where um, everything, Swan's opinion of everybody is mirrored by everyone else's opinion of that person in the movie. Yeah. So Swan is, is ultimately a representation of, of, of just the general culture and the general populace in the movie. Right. The way the general populace is looking at things, and mm-hmm. like there's that scene where he's picking which performer he wants to sing uh, Winslow's music as it's kind of going along, and he's like, "Damn, like I uh, I don't want any of these." And then it takes only like a second and a look and kind of like just kind of a vibe, and he's like, "Oh wait a minute, okay, even if this guy isn't talented." I want it to be like metal. Right. Like I want it to be like punk rock, punk glam metal. Like clearly this needs to be glam metal. Mm-hmm. And uh and it's just like that's the way that we see it 
in in the audience like as we're watching it because like every time we're introduced to a style of music we're like okay i can buy that this style of music would exist but i don't want it and so it's like weird how swan is plugged directly in to what we want Mm -hmm. ultimately weird weird well and so let's talk about the music in the movie just in general Mm -hmm. i mean besides the fact that that like we all like the music the music's very cool um music done by paul williams we love him and and a bunch of other people that i can never remember their names but uh they're also very talented and they were also involved but primarily paul williams gets the credit for this because he just wrote a lot of it and was very very talented and it's really really good so Mm -hmm. we sure like paul williams and everything he did for it um the 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 music plays such a key instrumental role in it right while also not ever being what the story is actually about Mm -hmm. so like i'm kind of curious what you like where you kind of take the the interaction between the music and the screen well so the first of all i just uh, we, we we briefly mentioned talked about this but i think that diegetic musicals are the best kind of musical yeah um, yes so it, it, it immediately i liked it the music and, and how it correlated to the screen much mm-hmm. more than most musicals right because i really i really hate having my immersion broken because like i, I as the way i watch movies is i I've, i'm pretty willing to immediately shill out my my like um my belief to anything like if, right um and that's just kind of like one of my weaknesses with movies is that pretty much any movie they are like here's here's what you'll you buy in pretty here's, easily. Yeah, here's what you need for suspension of disbelief, and for most about everything, I will I will just immediately offer it up because I like uh, like sci-fi and fantasy because I'm weird and and weird. Um, but so I really hate when movies like make that deal with me where they say here's here's the, the here's what you need to suspend in order to like buy into the movie, and then they immediately just change the dynamics of that. Right. So like. With like Les Mis or you know any other movie musical, the moment they they break, they out actually of this, start singing. They start they they look at me on the camera and they start singing to me about what's happening. I'm You're out. immediately like ah, like ah, fuck you, Hugh Jackman. Wait, yeah, no, I I get that like completely. I feel very similarly. Uh, I've always felt weird about musicals. I don't know why. I mm-hmm. felt the same way in theater. It's like, well, but but like musicals in theater. Just always made so much more sense it, to me. It, it works a lot better. But speaking of diegetic musicals, like we were recently watching Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Like I mm-hmm. made Neo watch that <laughs> one day, uh, and so that's another diegetic musical. I, I wish I remembered more of that movie. I think I <laughs> slept. I, you I was, were on a lot of D eight. I was on a lot of D eight marijuana, and I slept. And I, I so I, I remember liking what i remember of it but i i i feel like i i've missed i missed most something of the significant yeah right but still the the same vibe applies where it's mm-hmm. just like you can buy into the music so easily because it's diegetic you're just like oh okay people performing music and we're watching them perform music mm-hmm. and that uh, appeals to us but so something i noticed about the music um this time around because i've seen the movie like a billion times but i something i noticed this time is like um 
there's this weird element of the first time that Winslow performs, he's at his piano and he's playing the song Faust, which is the song that goes through the entire movie in well, a billion different genres. Really the only song in the movie. It's, right. It's, the entire soundtrack of the movie is the same exact song. I was not played. myself last night. I'm just thinking apologies and flowers. Yeah, it's, it's that thing. And so like he plays that and then that gets stolen from him. Mm-hmm. Then they go into a mansion and he hears a million annoying women singing badly uh, his song, mm-hmm. the same song, um, because it's removed from its context. And then it's further removed from its context when the Juicy Fruits perform it, which is in the middle of the movie where there's the bombing scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so there's a scene where Winslow literally bombs a band, which is great. Well, the Juicy Fruits are totally not the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah, they're totally not meant to be the Beach Boys. And so, like, the the totally not Beach Boys perform Faust, the same song, and the vibe is completely different. And the whole thing is like, carburetors, man. And that's what life is all about. It's like just got this like totally like completely different vibe. And mm-hmm. and but the the way that they change the song to try to make the song fit, it's the same kind of song. It's the same general vibe. And the weird thing is, it's still the about the same core themes. So like at deep down, that song ends up all, continuing to be about like being a failure and like suddenly fucking up and feeling like a fuck up. Mm -hmm. So like that performance of it in the movie is a version of that where they're trying to perform it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like where they feel like fuck ups. So the, the song continues throughout the entire thing, but the weird bit about the song Faust being like the key here is that, for the most part, it's about feeling like a fuck up and needing to like do something to to validate yourself. Right. Right. So the bargain itself is is more like this youthful validation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's funny how the music ends up adaptable. And while Winslow fucking hates it when the Juicy Fruits perform his song it still ultimately right. gets the point. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of fucked up about music, mm-hmm. right? Is Because you can show music to somebody in a billion different ways, but ultimately they're going to see it in the way and, and feel the feelings mm-hmm. in their own sort of way. It's the, the ultimate point is going to be the same, even mm-hmm. if the music doesn't reflect that. It's kind of strange. <laughs> music is fucking, is fucking weird, and especially in this context, because it's like... First off, Brian De Palma is not a music boy. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he, he's all that musically savvy, but he has some takes about music. Right. And, like, I feel like Phantom of the Paradise is, <laughs> hello, everyone, I have takes about music. Right. And, oh, boy, are they takes. Mm-hmm. And so this, this, like, reflective nature of music or how it's, like, adaptable, what's that Zizek thing about Ode to Joy? <laughs> oh, like, every song is Ode to Joy? Mm-hmm. Well, like, Ode to Joy is ultimately, like, trying to capture this feeling of some sort of nationalist euphoria. 
and it's applied mm-hmm. to a million different things and it works mm-hmm. every time and from from democracy to fascism to communism like everybody can can play ode to joy and they'll all be like yeah we are all happy and well, it's it's <laughs> such a it's such a like a, a a brainworm into into making you feel good about your, about whatever authority is over you right and for so- whatever reason like just that bum 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 is just like it just immediately makes you, you accept there. authority. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fluoride. It's musical right. fluoride. It's the Manchurian candidate. <laughs> um, <laughs> we hear Ode to Joy and we just are subservient. Salute the flag, cocksucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, yeah, Phantom of the Paradise has this weird, like, influence in that it it continues to be about this like regurgitated like dead shell of music that continues to be like carried around. So like ultimately Mm -hmm. the phantom of the paradise, you know, it's, is it, is it Winslow? Is it Swan? Is it Phoenix? I, I'm kind of of the opinion that it's the music, right? Mm -hmm. The music is the, is the phantom. It continues to haunt everything forever. It can be a different, a million different genres. It can embody a billion different people, but ultimately they look at the page and there it is. And while it sucks that the guy that made it was forced to be like living a a drugged out nightmare life in a weird cage as a robot man, uh, who looks like a bird, (laughs) He he did make a masterpiece that haunts the world forever, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you know John Lennon is dead, right? But we still hear Muzak versions of the Beatles mm-hmm. everywhere, and if you really want to, you can kind of like trace your imagination to the meaning of that song in any situation, and it's just like it will always live with us no matter what, mm-hmm. even though like the people that made it are long dead, and the ideas are. And, you know, either no longer apply or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that a movie about how art has a tendency to haunt culture mm-hmm. ha- has a tendency, this movie has a tendency to haunt Twitter and everybody really likes it and draws <laughs> pictures of it. And nowadays they're like, dang, this is ever more ever present now than it's ever been before. Right. Well, I think there's also a bit in that movie where it's... um it's 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 talking a lot about how how art is is escapes the artist yeah very quickly right where as as much as 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 the robot birdman wants to control his art it's he's he's given it he's put it out in the world and there's right. nothing he can do to wrestle control from he the world he can't have it back he can't have it back and it's like it's like that with with just all music is once you give it to the world Anyone can take it and do anything with it, and there's really right. nothing you can do about it. Yeah, well, and it's funny because this is kind of predictive of some of the things that would end up happening in Hollywood in like the '90s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Brian De Palma was ultimately kind of a friend of George Lucas, and so <laughs> he watched George Lucas make alterations to his old art and be like, "Damn, dude!" <laughs> like, you know, like because mm-hmm. culture, culture takes things; mm-hmm. it's it's theirs now. And we we hate it. We think it's like fucked up or bad or something. But it is also just the way that things manifest. Right. So like at the end of the movie, the last like shots of it are all of these people dead, mm-hmm. and then somebody grabs Winslow's mask off the ground and puts it on their own head and just kind of stands there and is like vibing in a cool mask. Right. And then like you know, 
everybody's just like filming the dead people and it's just a giant party and the music's still going on and everybody's like hell yeah that was fucking wild and awesome mm-hmm. and it's just like it's all their a show man right exactly their culture is just accepting it as a, as a show and just accepting it in the same way that we you know unfortunately accept like politics as a show or mm-hmm. anything else that's going on on tv it's like we accept things as a as a performance <laughs> even when it's like right. dire and serious well and even like like even as far back as ancient rome they understood as long as you entertain people and feed them they don't give a shit about politics like they, they don't give a shit about what's going on around them. right as long as as long as you 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 give them a circus and you give them bread yeah pretty much and so the i think the the point of the movie is ultimately cynical mm-hmm. that people are just in a in a giant mass are (laughs) they just want to show right and bread (laughs) and and so like if you want to feed them you know that's the contract right it's like that contract you make with the audience Mm -hmm. almost and so a lot of the contracts in the movie are kind of that it's contracts with the audience that is that are signed in blood because mm-hmm. if you fuck up it's it's your life it's the right. only thing you ever did mm-hmm. you know so like i feel like a lot of artists understand <laughs> understand this deeper than than a lot of non-artists or people that have experienced like the shitty elements of capitalism uh, so it, it just kind of applies to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are connecting to it in a way that they maybe didn't a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. Like, I feel like if Rocky horror and this came out today, this would be much more popular. Mm-hmm. I think based on the people I have experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Rocky horror, I think most people would consider it to be kind of weird and problematic. Well, yeah. Well, it'd be and trashy. I th- and I think mostly because the ultimate meaning of Rocky Horror Picture Show is, wow, Reagan sucks. Right. Well, and, you know, I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, I'm never going to not love it. I've seen it a million times. But I think when it comes to, like, staying power, things that are important to me, things that, that have ultimately ended up meaning a lot to me in my life, Phantom of the Paradise is way more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think culturally, while... While Rocky Horror Picture Show does have like a whole lot of cultural significance and it did launch a whole lot of careers and shit, so did this. <laughs> so did this. And and honestly, the stuff that that is that is launched by Phantom of the Paradise, like Guillermo del Toro stuff and like Daft Punk and Berserk. Berserk and shit like that. To some degree, Darth a lot Vader. Of, right. And a lot of these ideas and the things that are on display, it's like, I love these things and I think that these things have have become more and more important to me as time has gone on. So mm-hmm. I really feel like this is the one. So um, we are kind of getting kind of near the end here. So we do have to ask the ultimate question, which I guess I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast, but maybe I should do it next time. <laughs> uh, so the whole bit here is that um, we're going to decide if this gets to be added to the excrement pile or if it doesn't even get to be that, you know, because yeah. like ultimately uh, we are just a big pile of trash around here. And last time we decided controversial and, and listen, we got in trouble for it. A lot of people came at me. They were like, may, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, listen, 
Listen, it's Neo's takes. Come after me. It's yeah, it's Neo's takes. Why are you yelling at me? Go at Neo. Yeah, yeah. get at Neo about his takes. Also but... someone who, who who genuinely and passionately doesn't care what the internet has to say about me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, but we decided to put Cannibal Holocaust in the excrement pile uh, with which, a big old fiat. But which I know sounds really really bad, but it's actually a good thing. Go um, on, just 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 go watch the podcast. Yeah, you know, just go listen. We explain it. We take explain it, take a bit. listen to it. Listen to it while you're shitting. Yeah, it's good for that. As 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 we intended. Yeah, it's ma- we made it specifically for truck drivers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast for truck drivers. Uh, so 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 today, um, I have a feeling I already know where we're gonna go with this, yeah. but I guess we have to do it anyway. And this is the part where everybody gets to play along at home, but. Um, is this going to be added to the excrement yeah, pile? It's great. It's, excellent. <laughs> it's, it's great a fun movie. movie. Great fucking movie. You, uh, you see someone's face get melted in a vinyl press. <laughs> which is pretty fucking sick. I will say this. The movie has the worst digital matting that I've <laughs> ever seen in any motion picture. It's like the <laughs> you silly bitch here let's just start start that from the top again <laughs> no it's all going in oh, it is? this is great shit for the audience i, the I audience. dropped a battery yeah here, listen listen wow fucking amazing wow listen to that i love it anyway i'm out of batteries so <laughs> but i think the bit with the digital matting here is that um like there was some like contract dispute or some some lawsuit or some silly shit and they had it very very quickly for the blu-ray like very very quickly and shoddily put a digital mat over a couple of logos and they did a a fuck terrible job at it like a fuck terrible job um all appreciation for them getting that movie to me like thank god there's a blu-ray of phantom of the paradise like these days like that's a wonderful thing and i'm not complaining about it but god damn it like can we maybe improve that for the 4k <laughs> you know <sighs> it, it, it that is something funny when you're like remaking these old movies where when you're when you're dealing with a lower resolution resolution some things you can kind of like get by with Mm -hmm. not doing well but the moment you put it in 4k and you can see every Every little microscopic thing and it's like it's like oh wow randy really didn't want to do a good job with the matting because he was busy and he just said fuck it it'll be it'll be in 480 or whatever resolution yeah who gives a fuck yeah very very different experience so um but but anyway back to the question at hand i also would put it in the excrement pile i love this movie uh this is in my top five probably like i've I've watched this a million billion times notably the first time i watched this like i watched the movie and then before taking the blu-ray out i was just like fuck it i'm gonna just watch this <laughs> son of a bitch again uh and just started right at the top why didn't we do that I don't know. I don't know. We we didn't watch this one on acid, by the way. We, Cindy, can you give it a fucking rest? We're in the middle of a podcast. So, um, no, we I didn't. love you, Cindy. So we didn't watch this one on acid. We we watched this one like normal humans. No, we watched with... this one drunk because <laughs> we just gotten home from a bar crawl the night before Halloween. Oh, right. Yeah. It's a much better situation. But still, n- n- regardless, I think with substances, movies just are always better. Mm-hmm. So... 
we we got all the substances it all lined up perfectly and i think uh <laughs> i think it was pretty good but anyway so you you get the conclusions here uh we we both really really like fan of the paradise i think everybody online really really likes it these days i don't know anybody who's like fuck phantom well, of the paradise when the movie ended my immediate the words that came out of my mouth was that's really fucking good yeah I really damn like i love that fuck damn that's great yeah i mean that's that's like exactly the reaction one can have because it's like a very good astute like the, the spicy little movie it's short sweet to the point good shit and a musical yeah it's for it's for gays and for straights yeah. sometimes occasionally and for people who like berserk and for people and daft punk and daft punk yep yep i mean pretty much apply that's that's so, everyone on that's, the planet. That's everyone. That's everybody. So um, before we sign off here, uh, we this is our second episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing more of these because these have been going very, very well. <laughs> I think we've both been very happy and the audience reaction has been amazing. Like everybody's been reaching out and saying, oh, my God, it's so good. Uh, we, we can't wait to, to hear more. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to be really uh gonna be really great to keep doing this like we're we're aiming to do weekly hope that's cool i mean i mean bi-weekly if, if, at most bi-weekly yeah at i mean worst, I guess. it's yeah it, it's, it's hard to get editing done and, and everything published all the time but i'm glad that people are listening to it we're, we're also going to set up an rss feed and get it all up on uh, itunes and get it up everywhere that podcasts are are sold for free are found are found are located uh, and also, I guess, I guess we're we're considering like a Patreon or something if people continue listening, <laughs> if we continue to have a, a really good response. But uh, yeah, just let us know. I suppose like you can tweet at us. I'm at Nick Spears, and I'm at I'm at Angstrom. Yeah, and so you can hit us up and uh, and you know tell us shit, send us pictures of your dick, you know, great great shit like that. Yeah, please don't send a picture of your dick. To Neo, he's sensitive. I'm, 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 I'm a sweet little boy. He's a, a sweet, sweet sensitive cat little cat boy. He can't see that. <laughs> he can't be looking at that right now. I think just as a general rule of thumb, the PSA for the episode is unsolicited dick pics are not appropriate. In no, any context, <laughs> no, never. That's... Make sure they're solicited. <laughs> That's the main point of the podcast today, uh, and we That's... want you to take that home with you. Yeah. No, no unsolicited dick pics. Please, no. Yeah, get off grinder, kids. Stop being stop being like that. Your parents are very disappointed. I'm disappointed. Are, <laughs> My are, parents are, are disappointed. Are we their parents? We are their parents. Hi. The 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 the, uh, the parents of the internet. We're the the internet parents now. Yeah. Hello gays, we're your parents. I'm mom. I'm I'm I'm, ne- I'm dad. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, so uh we're going to do another episode soon where we're probably we're looking into doing the thing or Suspiria. We've got a couple of titles that we're looking at. So, we could Suspiria's great. Yes. But Fuck is uh what's his face hot? John Carpenter? No. He's a wrinkly old man. Um um Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is very hot. He's the so, sexiest man alive, and he has been since he was eighteen. You know, we can all. Um, so we can also do a. Uh, we could do Escape from New York, which we've seen recently. I mean, there's so many things because we. Oh, we love Kurt Russell in this house. I also am a Kurt Russell stan. I would let that man top me and throw me over his shoulder and carry me into the sea. 
This is I'm a all about Kurt it. Russell appreciation household. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So there's definitely going to be like a Kurt Russell appreciation hour coming your way any minute now. Whenever <laughs> we figure out which Kurt Russell we movie, we can guarantee wanna... the next movie will have Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell in it. In it. Who's that Pokemon? And it's like a movie poster, but it's like the only hint they get is Kurt Russell, and we haven't even decided which one we want to do yet. Anyway, the point is the podcast is over. Go home, kids. It's time to stop hanging out with us. Uh, you know, uh, don't let the the good the, don't let it, the the door hit you where the good Lord split you, uh, and get the fuck out of here. I need you to get the fuck <laughs> out of here. So uh, get on with your life and have a great one. Uh, my name has been May, and this has been Your Takes or Excrement. And have a, have a good life. Who are you? I'm Neo, and I'm demanding that whoever's listening has, has, has a good old time <laughs> after this. You'll probably have a great one, and if you don't, then I'll kill you. Goodbye.